good to be with you again. I, a lot of familiar faces for me. Thank you for having me back. I'm always delighted to come and see if I can take all those thoughts rummaging in my head and speak them out in some way. So thank you for that. I uh, thank you for the beautiful music, Andrew and Carmen. What a great journey we just went on with that music, right? Whew, that was delightful. And thank you, Charlotte, for the setting up kind of the Day of the Dead uh, for us. And just as it was for Charlotte, when we start to talk about ancestors, it kind of goes right here pretty quickly where we can feel things. So don't, don't be afraid of that this morning. Because I do guess it's been a difficult week for you in many ways. You, you just bid farewell to Kent last week, and that's huge. And as a community, where you're going, it's just huge. And then, of course, we add in, as Charlotte said, what's happening in Israel and Palestine and the heaviness of that and the terrible mass shooting in Maine. You know, things are hard and heavy in the world and maybe even in your life. But just for this short time we have together today, I'm going to ask you to try to set aside the heaviness. I'm going to ask you to try to just set aside some of the weariness we feel about the world and what's happening. For just this short time, we're going to think about our own stories, our own lineage, our own past. Just for this little time, we want to ponder, how did we get here when we came from there? Just for this short time, we're going to let our own stories play out in this wounded and struggling world. And it's a perfect day to allow ourselves that space. This day just before Halloween, before the Day of the Dead, before All Saints Day, Today we ask ourselves, how do we honor the bones of our ancestors? So Audrey Choudberry has written a book called Ancestral Impressions. And it's helped me shape a lot of uh, the things I'm thinking about related to ancestors. So there are certain things that we all carry from our ancestors, no matter if we were adopted, if we know them, if, if our family's super close, there's certain things that we've brought forward. Now, some of those are in our DNA, right? Like these blue eyes, or the slope of this nose, or the width of these hips. Though, I'm not sure if that's DNA or ice cream, DNA, ice cream. I like to <laughs> blame DNA if I can. Uh, but I carry all of that in this body forward with me because of whatever's back there behind me. And Audrey also says that there are certain beliefs and attitudes that we carry in the same way the slope of my nose shows that I'm a Zewald. Uh, there are other beliefs and attitudes that have been handed down to me, consciously or unconsciously, and I'm carrying those forward. So there are certain things that we have learned from back there that we're either conscious of or not conscious of. For instance, it might be some beliefs about how we cope with anger. 
So I just want you to be thinking about your own little stories and what's brought forward. Was there somebody back there who was particularly angry or who avoided anger at all costs? And how do you carry that from here? There are issues around stress, how stress was managed in a family and how you manage it. There are issues around depression or seasonal affective disorder. Where does that come from? And how might that be something brought forward to us? How do you deal with conflict? Do you run? Do you meet it head on? Those are all probably patterns, conscious or unconscious, handed down to us. You starting to feel it a little in your body, in your story? So it serves us well just to reflect on those things. And in doing it, we honor our ancestors. So this morning, those of us who gathered earlier, which some come join us. It's a really good discussion if you can get up that early. But we talked about what are the ancestor stories that shape us? Who are we most like? Who would we want next to us if we're depressed? Who do we most look like? Uh, who'd, who inspired us? These are things that as we move on in life, sometimes we forget to tell the stories. So we spent an hour being able to listen to stories, have them unfold uh, as we're working on them. So we think about those things, ancestors who are kind of like us or inspired us. But then we can also ponder patterns of our ancestors. Like, maybe I'm a little stubborn sometimes. Oh, there's my dad. <laughs> and, and I can start to see where that pattern comes from, and I get to make a choice, right? Am I going to carry that pattern on? Or is it something I can work on, let go? Um, who in your ancestry was particularly nurturing? Are you passing that on? Who is a hard worker? Who is super generous? And who is super stingy? They're back there, right, in your story? Was there someone who was abusive? Was there someone who was mentally ill? Was there great loss? All of these things, they're just right here, right behind us, conscious or unconscious, making us think, act in certain ways. We are connected to our ancestors. Now, when we start to look at those bones of our ancestors, you want to always begin with the ancestors who, who you would feel safe with. You know, if there's abuse in your background, just let those bones sit for a bit, or do that in therapy, right, with somebody else. When you're starting to work with your ancestors, you want to feel safe. You want to feel as though you are sitting with somebody who maybe has some advice or is wise or who you think learned from their life. So let those other bones sit, those harder bones, and work with those softer bones of your ancestors. 
I had a chance to take a uh, seminar on ancestors with Marguerite Yosenar, and she just talks about how important it is to do ancestor work. Here's what she says. Autumnal rites, or uh, things that happen in the fall, autumnal rites are among the oldest celebrated on Earth. It appears in every country in some way across the globe that the Day of the Dead occurs. It occurs at what's considered to be year's end, not December 31, but the year's end after the last harvest, when the barren earth is thought to be clear enough to give passage to the souls lying beneath it. Kind of an interesting way to think of it, right? Like when things are just kind of at that quiet place that then those souls can kind of start working around us. Now our culture, and my culture, probably yours too, has a certain hesitation about the dead. It is, comes from centuries of the Christian church kind of co-opting and reinterpreting these old, old ways. So we've made people fearful of skeletons, uh, bones, right? We have made it kind of spooky or creepy to talk about death. And I can tell you the old, old ways that's just not true. It's not creepy. Because we're heading there, folks, right? We're heading there. It's not creepy. And, and bones are cool. I, I love finding bones around our farm. Like, it's a story. The bones carry the story. So we've got to work a little to set aside those spooky, creepy things. And we want to look instead at what's an indigenous understanding of bones and ancestors. And I always do this when I do bones, because I think about them rattling around. <laughs> bones. Uh, so as Charlotte mentioned, uh, a lot of our a lot of the kind of history of like the Day of the Dead comes from the Aztec, the Toltecs, the Mayans, who always saw death just as a natural part of life, not to be mourned, but to be celebrated. That's different than our culture, right? Not mourned, but celebrated. But once the Spanish started to colonize Mexico in the 16th century, their Catholic views on the dead influenced Mexican customs. And eventually those customs of celebrating the dead kind of were relegated to what the Christians called All Saints Day, which is November 1 and 2, which is the Day of the Dead. Now shamans throughout cultures throughout the world, I can point to shamans in almost in every culture, and that's uh, you know traditions that I'm trained in also, they all honor the ancestors, all of them. And they see our ancestors as tools to our healing. Now that might be a little counter to us who think of our ancestors kind of dragging us down, but, but they believe that it's like a tool that you get to bring in, look at, explore, and make choices about what you carry forward or don't. And our ancestors, they believe, and you know, it would be another whole talk just about like, what do we believe about the afterlife in heaven? Um, but they really believe our ancestors, when they cross over, have learned something. 
and are there to advise us. I like that concept, um, that, that, that when you can see your life from a different perspective beyond, uh, then you have something to say. So it's something you might want to consider, and I have no, whatever your beliefs are, it's great. So the Day of the Dead, uh, you know, it's believed that that's uh, the, the place where uh, the, the dead can revisit us, return to the living world, to feast, to drink, to dance, to play music, um, to be honored as a guest at these celebrations, to honor the dead as a guest. I love that. And traditionally, you know, favorite foods are put out or uh, ofrendas are created, which is an altar, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, and I, it, it's just a lovely celebration. So it was actually just, you know, the Day of the Dead was celebrated mostly in rural Mexico and indigenous communities until about the 1980s. It started to make its way to the cities. And then UNESCO in 2008 uh, declared, you know, UNESCO does like sacred sites, but they also do traditions. So they've declared Mexico's indigenous festivity dedicated to the dead is a intangible cultural heritage of humanity. I like that. I want to look up what other things are intangible cultural heritages to humanity. So, oh, have you seen the movie Coco? Who hasn't seen it? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're gonna go see it. I, you know, it's a Disney movie, and you might think, oh, Disney, Disney. But if you've seen it, do you like it? Yes. <laughs> oh, whoa! It's like, it's like, first of all, it's beautiful, right? The, the images that it portrays of the afterlife are things that are just blow my mind. And then you get bones dancing around. There's a lot of bones. And that makes me super happy uh, when you see somebody's little bony head spin around. Uh, but it's also about how the living and the dead can interact. So if you haven't seen it truly, truly, it is well worth it um, to, to see it, to imagine it, to think about ancestors in that way. Uh, if you have seen it, for us, it's now a tradition to watch on Day of the Dead or the day before Day of the Dead. Um, because it is so joy-filled and makes, makes us just happy, happy. So that's a place you start. So there's, there's two more things that I think are important. One is, how do we honor our ancestors? And secondly is, like, why? Why? Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about yet. So how do we do it? Well, I would really encourage you to think about a Day of the Dead celebration. And here's how it would work. The first thing you're going to do is drag out some photographs. Drag them out. I don't know where they are. Do you have them? Do your parents have them? Is there, are they stuck in a box in the closet? Are there some on the wall? Uh, think about where those old photographs are. You're going to pull them out. You might not even know, I don't know who this is. I think I'm related to him. And that's enough. That's enough. Just bring them out. Bring out those photographs. And then choose a couple ancestors to start that you would want to put on an ofrenda, an altar. Now, it could be somebody who passed recently. It could be somebody who you really don't know. My great-grandma, Hermina, the picture of her would just scare you. 
Uh, she, she and all of her 13 children. Uh, and wow, I don't know much about her, but I could honor her. What a life Hermina must have had, right? So that's, that's your first job. Pull out some ancestors. And again, don't pull out the ones that you're still mad at. Just, just let them sit there for a while. It'll be OK. Uh, pull out the ones that you just want to explore a little. So you set them up. Put up those little photographs of your ancestors. And as you do, whoever you're doing it with, and hopefully there's somebody you can invite in, a friend, a partner, whatever, and you get to tell a story about them, something handed down through the generations, or what little you know, or even what you imagine about them. You set them up, then you add some candles. Oh, candles. There's candles over there. You could get a special candle for your ofrenda. And, and you just let the light sort of come into that darkness as, as evening might be gathering. And then you create some beauty. The candles will do that, but an ofrenda is often covered with marigolds or mums or I still have zinnias blooming in my garden. Clip some of those off. You know, just make it beautiful. Just beautiful. This altar to your ancestors. And then you get to do probably my favorite part, which is a favorite food of your ancestors. Do you have a recipe from somebody handed down that you never make because it's got too much sugar, too much butter, too much, <laughs> too much of everything? Uh, once a year, you get to make it. And you get to, you get to enjoy making it. And you get to think about um, ugh, all of that rich tradition. It, or if you do it regularly, that's great too. If you're, fr I'm from a baking family. My grandfather was a great grandfather was a baker in Germany. So you bring all of that in, and you make that favorite food, whatever it is. Now you don't have to make it. You can go buy it at almost any specialty store now. If Wiener Schnitzel is what your family would like, if you're German, uh, you can buy it already prepared, and you enjoy it together and then you leave some on the altar for your ancestors. Whatever it is, make something special. Make it a special night. And can I hope that you turn off the streaming services for about three hours or four or the whole night? Um, because we are so connected, right, to whatever we're binge watching what the next episode is or whatever, whatever. Just turn it off. Let the other stories emerge from our ancestors eat delicious food, leave it on the altar. That's how you honor them. So simple, right? A story, a photograph, a little beauty, and some food. Make sense? So why would we even bother with that? Well, simply put, when we spend time with our ancestors, we are spending time with our own little souls. And that is some of the most important work you can ever do, is knowing yourself well enough to be in this crazy, weary, hurtful world out of that place of knowing yourself and where you come from. We can talk with our ancestors. We can imagine parts of their life. Even if we don't have information about it, if, 
like my grandmother, right? I've been, I've been working on this little thread of depression that runs through my family that just drags me down sometimes. And I don't know, where does that come from, right? What, why? I have everything I need in life. I'm not, I'm not poor, I'm not, I don't have to raise 13 children. I, you know, I don't, so where does it come from, right? So when I sit with it, and I think about my grandmother, Elise, and I try to sit with her and listen to her story. What is it about her life that I think is connected to me? And maybe I only have one story of hers. Uh, she lost a daughter who was 14 when she died. So that's a big thing, right? That can be a part of my story because you know that impacted my dad and you know my dad impacted me. So you just sit with it and you imagine and if you don't know a lot of details, you can read a book about 1911 and discover what life would have been like in rural Iowa for my grandmother who was raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. So to move to a farm in rural Iowa, you know, just all of those imaginings. And it's really helped me to listen to her story so that I can free myself of some of the sadness that I carry from my ancestors. My grandmother says, I don't need to carry it. It's okay. It's okay. So on it goes. So you do that work. You sit and take what little story you know and then imagine the rest of it out or spend time trying to listen to your ancestor about it. And why? Because it helps me heal. If I don't have to be depressed or if I can at least understand where it comes from, I'm a better person in this world. Not that depression is bad. I'm not saying any of that. You know that. Uh, but it helps me, it helps me be a little more open in my heart because my family, we closed it down for good reason, right? We closed our hearts down, good reason. Lots of loss, lots of struggle. If I can open it up a little more, whew, I can breathe. I can be a little more loving. So your ancestors are gonna help you. They can help you reclaim things, too. Like, what do you want more of in your life? You want more music, more art? You want more time to create stuff? You want to, are the things you love to collect? Do you like to bake? Do you like to write? You want more of it. Well, who can inspire you? Who in your family back there might help you if you can have them sitting next to you? I found out my grandfather, uh, my, he played a fiddle. I never knew him, but he played a fiddle. Oh my gosh. I, I love music. I love my guitar, I love my ukulele, love my, I love it all. And do you think it comes from him? Who knows? But when I want more music in my life, I sit my grandpa next to me and he's happy. So you can think about what you want more of and who could inspire you to do that. Bring them in. Maybe they can help you with focus and energy. They're there for that. Now our ancestors can also help us with those emotional things we're working on. You wanna be a more patient person? Who could sit next to you and help you with that? 
You want to be less angry? Who could be an ancestor that helps you with that? Do you want to work on issues of forgiveness or trust? There's someone there who will help you. And then, of course, we also carry some burdens from back there. You know, I spoke a little about my dad. You know, he just was, he, he grew up in the Depression. They had nothing. So money issues were always really big coming forward, right? Really big. You're always worried about money, holding on to your money. So if I want to work on those issues, you know, being able to understand it and have an ancestor sit next to me, it's really helped me um, kind of let go of the need for possessions. I don't know. works that way. So they can help you with those issues, things like depression, health issues, um, struggling with dishonesty or money, relationships. They're there. Making some sense? Just see who can be there and listen. Listen and expand your world and open your heart. So this week, I'm going to encourage you to spend some time with the bones of your ancestors. Honor them. Tell their stories. Put up their photos. Eat their food. Just immerse yourself in your ancestors. Ask them questions and imagine their responses. And in so doing, you will be tracing your own life to this moment, filling it in with understanding, compassion, and healing. And in this time, in this world, what greater gift would there be honoring our ancestors than for our own lives to be full of hope and light and love? May they encourage us to do so. Thank you.